Good afternoon, everyone. This is John Harvey, and I'm your host of the Modern Conservative Podcast. You can email me at uh, themodernconservativepodcast at gmail.com, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Um, today, I have a very, very, very special guest. Um, the name is famous. His name is Ammon Bundy. He's running for the governor of Idaho. And uh, I sure to hell hope he gets it. Because Idaho is really, really turning, and uh, and it's not cool at all. Because it's one of my favorite places. Mr. Bunny, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, John. Thanks for having me on. Look forward to it. I'm. You don't even know <laughs> when I when uh, Brian told me that he can get you, possibly get you on the air with me. I said, "Dude, make it happen. Make it happen." I know his the history, the family history. Of, from his dad. I know you guys have been ranchers for a long time. Give us a little bit of history about you and your family um, from years, years gone by. Yeah. So my kind of the, uh, the, you know, quick version of it is in 1877, my family went into the Southern Nevada area and they established a ranch there and, and uh, began to, you know, level the fields and divert the water out of the Virgin River. And they began to run cattle on the hills and, and develop the uh, water out of the springs. And, uh, you know, we've done it now for 145, 46 years, whatever it ends up being. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometime about a hundred, let's see, well, it was about uh, 70 years later, the Bureau of Land Management federal government came in and uh, started kind of, establishing itself in that area, um, which we didn't think much of it, at least my family. And then in, uh, in the late 1980s, uh, they started putting regulation and so forth upon my uh, father and, and the other ranchers. And they really began to, you know, wonder what was really going on because they were asking the question were, were the, was, was this our ranch or was the, did the ranch belong to the federal government? And, Ultimately, my dad decided and, and others, other ranchers decided that they weren't going to comply uh, or or try to pay into or try to do with the things that the federal government wanted them to do. Because, I mean, it was their ranch. There was a vested mm-hmm. ranch. They had vested property rights. And and uh, then the federal government threw a fit over that and tried to, you know, bring them into court and tried to do all these things. And mostly my dad and and another rancher right next to us, Keith Nay, just pretty much ignored them and continued to ranch on their on their rights. And uh, it took them about 20 years, uh, and the federal government decided that they were going to use force. And really what it was, it was, uh, you know, they needed uh, manpower to come and take out my dad, and they needed political uh, power. And it took them about 20 years, and they thought they had enough. They thought they had enough manpower, and they had, thought they had enough political power. Obama was in office, and they had built these they built these eternal internal uh, uh, enforcement agents agencies inside the you know Bureau of Land Management, Forest Service, and so forth. And so, 213 armed men came and surrounded my dad's ranch and put it under siege. It was like a scene out of the the Hollywood movie Red Dawn, and it, and I don't mean that they had four a total of four helicopters, M ramps. They guarded everything. They were guarding, patrolling the roads, and and locked to put snipers all around the hills and around my family's home, uh, and locked it all down while they were 
uh, shooting the cattle from the helicopter, killing them, leaving the baby calves out in the desert to die, destroying our water infrastructure with, and this water infrastructure is over a hundred years old and, and many, uh, many, many parts of it. And it's the lifeblood of our ranch. And they were just destroying them with backhoes and dump trucks. And it was just causing mayhem. And we were, we started at first to film them and to record and they didn't like that. They beat my brother down to the ground and, arrested him and ha- and interrogated him for about almost 24 hours at one of their little compounds because he was filming them with an iPad. Anyway, uh, then we started kind of pushing back and they, they tased us and beat through us to the ground, sick their dogs on us. And this was over a several, several day period. And they were planning on being there for seven weeks in that operation. Anyway, by the end of the first week, the Patriots around the country didn't like what they saw. And they came from all over and uh, stood with our family and it completely flipped it upside down. No longer were we being the ones threatened. No longer were we being the one terrorized. No longer were we being the one that, you know, that thought our lives were going to be taken at any moment. And they went back to their compound and were scared of how many people were there and how mm-hmm. serious they were. And so the people, I'm, I'm giving you again, a quick version. Yes, sir. Uh, um, the people, um, Sorry about that. I got a phone call. Uh, People, people ended up uh, giving them uh, terms and saying, look, you're, you're going to give back the cattle to Cliven, my dad, and you're going to leave the area immediately. And they give them an hour and the federal government complied and left in 107 vehicles within an hour of the time that the people gave them. And my dad went back to ranching. And um, anyway, that's not the end of the story, but that's kind of, the gist of what happened with mm-hmm. my family in Nevada in 2014. You know, you know, and that's a prime example. You know, with all the crap that's going on right now in this country, the American people haven't figured out, if you stand together, you can get positive results. But the problem is right now, the government, the education system is weakening, weakening the minds. You know, the government is now saying, hey, we don't work for you anymore. You're the sheep and we're the shepherds. And this is where this is what ticks me off about what's going on in the country right now. You know, and, and you're right. It's ever since Obama came into office. When Obama came into the office, he literally changed the fabric of our culture with his rhetoric, his lies, his anti-Semites, um, his racism. You know, we were getting uh, we were getting along pretty good as a country. You know, I said it to you the other day on my last podcast. I appreciate Joe Biden. And I tell you why, because he's created more Republicans, <laughs> and more conservatives. <laughs> That's like Obama. <laughs> That's like Obama with the with the guns, right? He, Obama was the best gun salesman ever. Oh, right. <laughs> I mean, you know, all we hear now is racism, racism, and we patriots are all crazy. You know, right. you see on my wall it says Trump made America great again. Absolutely. Look, I don't like a lot of things going on right now, like a lot of people. But I think we need to stand together as a culture. You know, we're all Americans. And the problem right. is, the problem is, is the division. There's no such thing as a black American. There's no such thing as a white American. There's such an Asian American. If you're born in this country, you are privileged by having the name American. That's yeah. your, that's privilege. I don't care you know, what color you are. 
I got a story about that. You know, that ultimately went to, uh, I moved to Idaho right after right. 2014. And then just a couple hours away from where I lived was the Hammond family in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And they were doing the same thing to our, to them as they were to our family. The federal government was in fact, in some ways, even worse. So anyway, I went and stood with them and, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, it was a long path, but anyway, ended up getting uh, arrested. Spent two years in federal prison with my father and brothers. We ended up being quitted in two major trials. Um, but, but during that time, I learned a lot of lessons. And I was in prison with a lot of different people in several different prisons. And I, what they, it, it was kind of amazing because they had put, and I was in, you know, they considered us the most dangerous men they'd ever prosecuted. Terrorists. In fact, in fact, a, yeah, in fact, the prosecutors actually said that we were. And so we were always in the maximum security prisons or in solitary confinement. When I was maximum security, I always thought it was interesting because you got like a hundred guys in this prison. Um, during the day, it's just kind of an open pod walking around and you got one person, either an old guy or a young woman, typically, you know, one guard guarding all these terrible, hardened crim- federal criminals. Right. Right. And, and I wondered, you know, I thought at any time we could just walk out of here. But what would happen, what was happening is any time the blacks would start uniting and being friendly with the, the whites or the whites with the blacks or the, the Asians or the Native Americans or the uh, Hispanic, any time there was a, a, a where these groups of people were starting to like maybe go out and play basketball together or start to, you know, maybe uh, – you know, socialize with each other, the guards mm-hmm. would do something. The prison would do something to cause a division, uh, you know, like maybe give somebody a little extra food and, 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 and look like it was, you know, favoring one group over the other. And then every time these groups would start fighting, you know, the, 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 mostly the, you know, these, these different uh, people started fighting amongst each other. Mm-hmm. And, and I always thought it was really interesting how that happened because it, they depended on us fighting with each other in order to keep us incarcerated where they only had to have one man guarding a, or even one young woman guarding an entire uh, pod of hardened federal criminals, quote unquote, right? right. And it's, a, it's basically a lot of what's happening out here. They, in order for the elitists, the ones in, you know, that want to stay in, Mm-hmm. power in order for them to stay in power they have to make sure that we're divided you know that the blacks hate the whites and the whites hate the blacks and the mexicans hate the whites and vice and black you know i mean it doesn't matter which way it is they need us to be divided in order for them to stay in uh, in power but it's amazing to us it's so obvious but I do, i've never understood we all have the same body functions, but seems, it seems to me some of, of our minds function a little bit clearer <laughs> than others because why in the hell don't these people see what's going on? You know, you know, so here's my question. I, I want to tell people this. This man puts his money put where his mouth is. He actually practiced what he believes. He's not one of these guys that's going to tell you one thing and expect you to do it. And he does not. 
No. If you watch the videos of him on on Facebook or YouTube, the man puts his money where his mouth is. And so given that said, Mr. Bundy, so what decided why did you decide to run for governor? I mean, I remember before we go any further, I remember I used to live in Boise. We're stationed in Mount Home Air Force Base. And this was 89, 90, 89, somewhere along in there. And I loved Idaho, loved it. And But my friends tell me there now, it's not the same anymore, you know, 25 years later. They're telling me that Boise is like Salt Lake now, blue, pretty much. Is that literally the case now? That absolutely is the case. Yeah, it's, I mean, it it is the case. And, and what's happening in Idaho is what has happened in all these other surrounding states. Uh, we've got, you know, Oregon, where you got a Portland and it's controlling the entire state. You know, I call it the, uh, the hunger game effect, you know, where you've got the capital city and then you got all the districts feeding it and funding it. And, and the, the districts have no power. They have no political uh, influence, have nothing. And you're literally just creating these, this society of people in these cities that are living off everybody else. And they're just like this cancer and they're taking everybody down. Now, don't get me wrong, Boise's not that way yet, but it is it is really close to coming that way. And I could show you statistics that would, would blow your mind. And um and you know, we got uh uh Seattle in, in Washington, we've got all of California is doing that, Nevada with Las Vegas, and and that's basically what's happening. And so, you know, I I recognize this as something that needs to be stopped now. And I believe I have the solutions to make sure that it doesn't happen the way it's happened with our surrounding states. Um, and, you know, but but I'll be honest with you. I mean, the reason I'm running for governor is certainly to, to do those things. But the reality is, is uh, people, you know, and I, I hesitate to say these things, but people people are not willing to stand on their own. I mean, I have done almost everything I could to, to get a body of people to stand and say no. And in many ways I've been successful. I'm not going to, you know, in many ways people have stood, but the reality is they, they want to subcontract their defense to somebody. They want somebody mm-hmm. else to do it. And in particular, they want the state to do it. And so I'm like, well, combined with all the people that I do have that are willing to stand and are willing to and have stood and want to continue to stand, but that is quite a minority here in Idaho. Well, I intend on going into uh, as a governor and using the state's resources to truly do what the state is supposed to do, and that is protect the people, protect it from a crazy administration in Washington, D.C., protect it from... Uh, you know, all the things that are coming out against uh, the people in Idaho and across this country, protected from even the, the crazy liberals that are flooding into Boise. And uh, because ultimately there's, a, there's those that want to produce and be left alone and live their life. And there's those that want to take what other people have produced and control and force. And uh, I think that it's better that we get the uh, we get in control of the state's resources and start to sh- really uh, push and and to uh, make the state of Idaho 
as as an example for the other states of what needs to happen and hopefully others will follow um mm-hmm. that that's my goal and and that's you know one of the reasons the main reasons why I'm running for governor and the political climate is amazing i mean you know i just passed the lieutenant governor in the polls i'm gaining Did on you? the governor yeah i'm gaining on the governor right now and so the, you know i'm 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 one of the three leading candidates and we and i still got 9 months to go and so we've we we've got a good thing going here and more and more people. You know, we've got I mean, the Biden administration's not gonna be able to help themselves. And our governor not and his and his basically good old boys are not gonna be able to help themselves in, in this state. And more and more people are gonna be realizing that we need someone who's truly gonna do something about it. You know, now what about the Senate? How are they Bundy friendly or are they in, in resistance? So campaign. I've got a bunch of I've got some friends in the legislature, both in the House and the Senate. Uh, but I, you know, and I, I again, I always say, well, maybe I need to be careful what I have to say. But each one of these people know exactly what they've done. They did nothing during 2020. They allowed the governor to take complete totalitarian dictator types uh, control of the state and and hang on to it. They allowed the governor to receive $18 billion from the federal government and spend it as his own pleasure. And that that's the wording in his own, uh, in his own executive orders. And the legislature sat by and did nothing. They allowed, you know, all these people who stood up to him and got arrested and got for even for going to the health board meeting, the school board meetings and the Capitol building, trying to, you know, say, look, you can't do this to this, to us. These are our rights. The right to leave our home when we decide we want to leave our home belongs to each person. It doesn't belong to you, governor. And the right to worship and go to church belongs to us. And the right to trade with each other, our businesses, to keep them open, Mm -hmm. that belongs to us. And that's what we were saying, and the legislature did nothing to back us up. And so maybe they can repent of that if they want. They can change their ways. Um, and I do have some, you know, some friends that I respect in both the Senate and the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, talk about a failure, a complete failure. I think you see that a lot in a lot of the red States right now. Um, I mean, it's so disappointing, you know, here's what's crazy to me is that we had a, though he wasn't perfect, but he was by far better than any president we had in recent years since Reagan. But it's amazing to me how people do not understand what a good president or good leader is. Joe Biden, I knew that five years ago, he would never be a good leader. I knew it 20 years ago, and I was still in my 30s then. Barack Obama, I didn't vote for him because he had no experience. I didn't care where he was black or not. To me, he was the first worst black president we ever had. That's the way I look at it. That's the way I look Uh, at it. But the thing is, people don't understand how this country runs and what protects us and our freedoms. They'll just piss it off. Excuse my French. They'll just pee it off and don't realize what can come from the bigger picture. Because when you give the governor, I mean, the government an inch, oh, they're expecting a mile. Mm -hmm. They're taking that mile. And people don't say no, because I always said, Mr. Bundy, everybody's American, but not everybody has the American spirit. So that's my take on, you know, 
some people well, in this country. You, you know, you're right on. And and the other thing is, is well, I mean, right along with what you're saying, it's not really uh, the other thing. But right along with what you're saying is, you know, we have a government for a reason. We have a, a, a commander in chief for a reason. He is supposed to defend defend us, defend the states, defend the people. And just like anything else, if you get someone who is incompetent in there, someone who doesn't even understand the purpose of the reason why he's in there, someone who can't, he can't perform the job, then, then the reason why they're in there basically is not fulfilled. And if, if the, the American people or even the people of Idaho think that there's not terrible, terrible people out there that want to destroy America. And I'm talking about entire nations, billions of people that would love to come and crush the United States of America. And there's only one reason why they don't. That's because we have a strong force. And now we've got some guy that literally, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, I wonder if he could even go to the bathroom on his own. <laughs> We've got some guy in there who's a chief, the, the commander in chief and, and the danger that it puts us in. I mean, I saw a video the other day with, you know, it's still on my mind and it, it's so, um, Oh, I don't know. It, it's, it, it fills you full of emotion, emotions, but it's the Afghanistan soldiers that, um, that were allies with the with America over there, and the Taliban was putting them on their knees in lines and just shooting them in the back of the head, and then they were riddling their bodies with bullets. If you don't think that the, that that's not what they want to do to Americans, they're willing to do that to their own people. I mean, they want that's what they want with to America, and I'm just saying that government is for a purpose. It is, it, it is there for a purpose. It is to defend the rights, the life the liberty and the pursuit of happiness or the property of, of the people. And uh, it's very important that we, we realize that get the right people uh, in, in those positions so that it can function according to the way it's supposed to. I just think um, hopefully in the next few years and guys like you will keep running for office, get in the office and we can make a change um, <laughs> because we need leaders they're just not going to sit in a seat and keep it warm. We need men that is going to set the country in a direction that the country was meant and built by many people, by the hands of many races, by the hands of many creeds and religions to go where we need to go. Right now, we're going the wrong way. This country was never, ever was meant to go in the direction it's going right now. It's going towards communism, minimal socialism. And it's going to go that way, brother. Yeah, it's going that way. I just want to encourage people to go to my website, votebundy.com. Support me how you can. Votebundy.com. And I really appreciate the opportunity here with you, John. Thank you. Well, we're going to take a break. I'm going to talk to you about COVID. Um, we'll be back in a few minutes. This is John at the Modern Conservative Podcast. We'll be back in the flip.
my name is John Harvey, and I'm your host of the Modern Conservative Podcast. And today my guest is Mr. Ammon Bundy. He is running for governor of the great state of Idaho. And a lot of you have probably heard the last name. These guys, that last name stands for something. It stands for don't touch our crap. That's what it stands for. These people will fight back. They'll do whatever it takes to protect their freedom. And you have to respect that. He's not up here because he's someone I don't respect. He's someone I respect and admire. He says it, but not only that, he does it. And I wish there was more of us that could, you know, step up to the mic, step up the plate and swing when they have to. Um, as I just forementioned, he's uh, running for governor of Idaho and, um, Hey, he's in the runnings. He's in the runnings. He is one of the top three. And I hope he end up being number one because Idaho needs this man. Because if you don't, you'll start looking more like Salt Lake city. You become bluer and bluer and bluer. And for those of you out there in Idaho who don't realize, who do not realize this, once you control the capital, you kind of control what goes on in the brain of your state, especially your major city. The problem we have in Utah is simply that our mayor is a Democrat and look at Salt Lake City, dead on the weekends because nobody wants to go downtown. People go down to work, to commerce and go home. And uh, I used to live in Idaho. It's the city of trees, gorgeous, quiet. It was peaceful when I used to live there. And there was only three blacks in the whole state when I was there. <laughs> and, uh, and the rest of us lived on the military base. It was great. But I want to talk to Mr. Bunny a little bit more about what's your path forward for Utah, your overall agenda for the people of Utah. And another thing, what about, mask mandates and allowing businesses to mandate vaccination, basically supersede, have given the government, given them the rights to supersede our constitutional rights. I don't know wherever HIPAA would disappear to our laws that protects us. What, what would you change or what would you not do as the governor of the great state of Idaho? Yeah. So one of the, th I think you, you hit it right on the head. I mean, I could spend four years, maybe eight years in the office of the governor and never try, never pass one law, never sign in one, one, one law. I could just veto, veto everything and strip down all of the powers or many of the powers in the, in the executive bureaucracies and do the people of Idaho an, an, an enormous amount of good. Never pass one law. Just strip down the bureaucracies in Idaho. And let me, I mean, I'll give you an example. You touched on it. We've got, like, who would have ever thought that the Department of Health, which is under the executive branch, in the executive branch, under the governor, that the Department of Health would believe that they had enough authority to order the citizens of Idaho to stay at their place of residence, to stay in their homes. Who would have ever thought? No. In Idaho, that the health department thought that they had that authority. You know, what about uh, shutting down businesses? Who would have ever thought that they, 
that the health department would thought that they had the authority to say, you can't trade. You can't open your doors. What about worshiping? We had people arrested. We had people arrested for holding church outside in Idaho, literally. And when you watch it, the officer takes the Bible out of the, 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 the uh, priest, or it wasn't priest, but out of the pastor's hand. He takes a Bible out of the pastor's hand, hands it to the other officer, and then handcuffs the pastor. You in Idaho. In Idaho, <laughs> all under the order of the health department, which is under the governor. I won't live that way. And I, I don't think you will. And I don't think, you know, any patriot will live that way. No. You know, who decides whether I, I get to go outside? I decide that. Who decides when, when I can trade with somebody, when I can open business and do those? I decide that. Who decides who I worship, when I worship, how I worship? I decide that. And the governor has no jurisdiction over that. Who decides what I put in my own body? I decide that. And that's what we need to, under, that's what we need to understand as a people. There is an, a legitimate authorization that the people have given government, but it has no authorization, jurisdiction over our bodies, over our homes, over our businesses, over our churches, none. It has been usurped. And when you, you talk about Salt Lake, well, these liberals, and I could go into that, they destroy cities. They destroy states. Just go into Portland. I mean, you literally, if you go into Portland right now, you literally could lose your life simply because you don't look like a certain or type of person. And it doesn't matter if you're black or white, right? Right. It is unsafe. It is a terrible place. And it has been controlled by liberals for decades. And that's why they destroy cities. They destroy societies. They destroy economies. They destroy families. Mm -hmm. And why we have any, any type, why we give them any type of credibility is beyond me. The people of Salt Lake need to root that wickedness out of their city and take it back and let it be this thriving place that everybody loves to go to on the weekends because there's great food, there's good people, because you can walk around freely, because you're not being controlled by this crazy liberal idea. And that's the way Boise was, and we're losing that. We're losing it. You know, when I used to live in Boise, they used to have what's called um, Live at Five. Um, on on down on Main Street, they would have a, a little get together on Wednesdays at five o'clock. I don't know if that's still there or not. Uh, those were the good old days, my friend. Those were the days when you know liberals weren't as liberated as they are today. Because the problem with the liberals, I've, I've often said this: there's a reason why they call us blue collars and them white collars. Blue collars, we build things, we use our hands. Liberals. They don't like to get their nails and their collars dirty. That's why they stay white. Well, They're the they, ones that run. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, we, I, I was just going to build off what you're saying. We, we right now are looking at a scenario where about 40% of the people in this country make a living or produce for the other 60%. Right. When you take, when you take the size of governments, you take all of the, the dependence of, on government, and then you throw in all the government contracts and so forth, which I'm not saying, you know, there, there's kind of a 
a gray area there. But mm-hmm. the thing is, is it doesn't matter because government doesn't produce. So it's when not. you take all those parties, you literally have 60% of the people living off the other 40%. And that if that isn't turned around, then it becomes 70, 30, 80, 20. And when it gets about to that point in society, what you see is like you either can't, the people can't sustain it any longer, the one, the producers, mm-hmm. and the, then the whole society collapses like, like Venezuela. Or, right. or the, the 80% enslaves the 20% and forces them to work. And we get scenarios like we have in ancient Israel with the Egyptians and the Israelites. And that's the type of situation that literally you end up in by with li- these liberal ideas where they think that they can live off of other people and not produce anything. You know, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because your dad made a comment years ago and he got a lot of heat for it. And uh, I understood it. I actually understood what he meant because what he meant when, at least when you were a slave, you had your family, you had your family dynamics. But now in the, with, under the government, the present day government, back in the days when, when LBJ, you know, invoked welfare, you didn't have the family dynamic anymore. I completely yeah. understood it. I understood it. Yeah, and he, I mean, there's not a racist bone in my dad's body. Um, he was simply trying to point out a truth. It was. Of, uh, yeah, about what, you know, that, that it's a worse form of slavery. You know, exactly it's a worse right. form of slavery. That we're still not free, um, but it's worse, and and that's what he was pointing out. And he was saying, "Look, look, we don't go back to the the ancient or the the early day slavery." That's not what he was saying. Nope, he was. He not. was saying that we need to be free, and everybody needs to be free. Yep, and, and he and he was, you know, and people yeah. don't understand either. This is not the problem we have in this country. Is that when you come from a different generation, such as your pops? You think a little bit different than what we do, because this culture nowadays is PC, 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 <laughs> PC. But the thing yeah. is, he comes from a different generation. He's not going to explain things the way we explain it 50 years later. Yeah, he's going to explain exactly it the way right. he's used to. And people don't understand that. I mean, you know, when I had these these talk show hosts got kind of distanced himself from distant from him because he said that I'm thinking, wait a minute, you people been yeah. stupid. See it for what it really is. Quit trying to make more out of what that man said and see it for what it's factually, what he's really saying. He said yeah. it right on the head. If you want to understand the man, listen to him. That's not, just don't hear him. Listen to him. Yeah, I mean, it is true. My dad, you know, my dad's a 75-year-old man now. He spent, you know, half his life, well, a good part of most of his life on the on the you know, the back of a horse and driving mm-hmm. around these, and, and he's, he's very intelligent. He's a very mm-hmm. intelligent person. I mean, extremely intelligent person. Um, and when I explained to him, dad, you can't really say Negro, you know, <laughs> I say you can't, you got to say, you know, the, the black man or black community. And even at that, that I'm like, Oh man, is that okay? You know? And he's like, well, I just thought that's, I thought, you know, he was totally just thinking that that was the right way to address uh, you know, the, the black community. And he, he absolutely in no way wanted to offend the, the black community. The, he didn't, he, he was just trying to do just the opposite. In fact, I know that for a fact, because he's like, you know, he, we saw what happened during that week and we felt liberated. 
Mm-hmm. And he was like, where, where are, where's the black community? We want, we need them here with us. We want them here with us. It was exactly opposite of what the white media said was, what said was going on. I mean, it was exact opposite. And you should go. And you, the, here's what's crazy, too. At one time, the word Negro was the appropriate word. That, that's it, that's what my it always changes. Said. Now it's African-American yeah. or black, you know, all the adjectives. It changes as right. per the agenda they're trying to push. Yeah, I know. And so, that's what my dad was saying. I mean, he he thought it was the right <laughs> Right, you know, now at the time, I guess. So. so COVID, I know you're not a big fan of it, nor am I. Well, here's the thing. Let me, let me, before I put my foot in my mouth, uh-huh. I know COVID is real, but it's been exaggerated, hyperbolated uh-huh. to cause fear. My question is to you. Now that the FDA has came out and said that the PCR test, they cannot determine whether it's COVID or the flu, why are they still using the PCR test that's telling people, giving all these false positives? Yeah. Well, and I mean, there's just, you're exactly right. So I I just, you know, say it out there. I, I believe the same thing. There's something out there that's kind of a bad thing. It's a pretty good sickness, but, you know, uh, but it's not near as bad as what they've been saying. And they're using fear to uh, basically control people and get what the, get where they want with it. Now. Yeah. We see a situation where the world health organization, the CDC stops uh, calculating the flu stops actually tracking the flu because you can't track COVID and the flu at the same time, because they're the basically the same thing. thing. The symptoms are the same thing. And you can't track them both because then one would show, you know, smaller than the the other or vice versa. And so you, they just stopped tracking the flu and then said everything was COVID. And, you know, I, I was, I'm a, I'm a truth seeker. I'm, I'm sure you are as well. And so I just said, well, what numbers could I look at in Idaho or across the country that would actually couldn't be refuted? You know, and I said, well, let's look at those who have died. How many people have died in Idaho versus those who have died in Idaho of 2020 versus those who died in Idaho of 2019? Well, mm-hmm. interesting enough, there were no statistics and still to this day, no statistics for 2019. And I thought that was really interesting. So I had to go to 2018. And I found the statistics for 2018, and then I was communicating and got the statistics from actually one of the health districts here for 2020, and there was 46 more deaths in Idaho in 2020 than 2016, or excuse me, 2018. 18. And I'm like, okay, I mean, and and the interesting thing is, is the the health district didn't report on December of 2020, and I don't know why. So I just had to take the year and the other year, the fiscal year, but 46 more people in Idaho is all that died in, uh, in 2020 more than 2018. So then I looked at a national numbers and I looked at, uh, the mortuary numbers and I thought, mm-hmm. well, surely if there's this huge pandemic, the mortuary numbers and the, and the, uh, cells and income of the mortuary numbers are going to be way, way larger. And like a million and a half more 
nationally <laughs> in, two, in 2020 than they were in 2019. And so, you know, then I looked at the numbers uh, during 2020, the hospital uh, inpatient and bed numbers, and they were down. They were actually lower than they were in 2019. They were lower in 2020 than they were in 2019. Actually, the, uh, the amount of people coming into the hospitals and the amount of beds that were taken up mm-hmm. and all of those. And I thought those were pretty good numbers without, you know, using PCR tests and all the fake uh, or, or un, un, uh, what I, I wouldn't say fake, but like unreliable numbers that the government was pushing and all of those. I just went right to the bottom and said, okay, let's look at death. Let's look at mortuaries and let's look at hospitals. And none of them showed any any sign of any type of pandemic. None. Yet and our whole world's been turned upside down for almost two years now. And it's going to go longer because I guarantee you and I promise you this. They're going to try to lock us down all the way through 2022. Yep. They're going to try to lock us down and give us reasons. You know, here's another thing. We got this Delta variant. Okay, my mind says this. If the PCR test can't determine the difference between the flu and COVID, then how do you know if it's Delta? Well, you, they can't <laughs> identify it. You're exactly right. It's, it's, I mean, you got to stop using common sense, John. You just have to stop <laughs> doing that. You just, you know, you got to, like, I remember when, what, it was a Nancy Pelosi that there was a big bill and it was like, I don't know, 2,200 pages or something like that. And she was trying to push it through really quick. And she just said, just trust us. Just trust us. And you just got to trust them, John. I mean, none of it makes sense. Uh, That's not happening. That is not, that doesn't work in my world. Just trust me does not work in my world. It might work in the liberal world because obviously it works really well with the liberals because the liberals believe that if these damn politicians tell you, you know, we're not rain. We're peeing on your back, but no, we're really, it's really rain. You know, right. they would believe that <laughs> these That's are kind of liberals. They, you know, I just, mm-hmm. I just, they drive me nuts because they don't understand they are ruining our country. You know, we have to fight as patriots just so they can have the rights that they're exercising right now. That's what's sad about the whole thing. This Afghanistan crap. The excuses they make right now, they should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah. Talk a little about that. What do you think? I mean, tell me your, give me your observation of what you, of what's going on over there. Well, so I, again, I, I don't believe we should have been over there in the first place. Right. Okay. That's so number, number one. And it, how many administrations did we go through and no one ever pulled us out. Now I will say that Trump, Trump was working on it and he actually had a plan that seemed to be, well, actually it was, it was an actually responsible plan mm-hmm. to get out of there. And, and he just didn't either didn't get the time to do it. Uh, most likely I think, but he was in there for four years, wasn't able to get it. And then this administration, I mean, Biden, uh, I don't, I mean, I don't even know, like, I don't even know how to express how upsetting it is for him to do do what he did in Afghanistan for him. I mean, who in their right mind leaves their own people and their own soldiers and just leaves them there while they pull the entire defense out from underneath them. What do you think is going to happen? Democrats. Remember Benghazi? 
I know, but it's it just it just doesn't even. I mean, logically, logistically, uh, morally, compassionately, none of that, none of that was even considered. I mean, they just, I don't even know what they were thinking. I mean, I don't even know what they were thinking. I don't think they were, my friend. I don't think they were thinking. I mean, I thought, look, this is my opinion, just, just my opinion, you know. We, now we don't have a military base over there any longer. China is now trying to get the military base. Because it's a great spot uh, logistically for a war. So, but let me, Biden does something. Does China in the t- in the trailings? <laughs> Doesn't okay. it seem like China China is always following? Well, I, I will say this, John. I'm not I'm not bashful of saying it. The the Democrats, the liberals, whatever the, these extreme environmentalists, anti-human, whatever. They hate, they, they hate the United States of America. They hate it. I mean, and and as soon as we, we have to understand that their actions are to destroy this country. That's what they are. They don't, they hate it. They just, they despise what it stands for. And ultimately they're rooted in this, this wicked idea that there should be a elite body of people to control, and that is opposite of liberty. They they do not like basically what uh, what this country has done for the world. They do not w- want more of the United States of America. They want less. They want it gone. In fact, they want to completely destroy it and, and extinguish it. And if we don't understand that, we, we literally are – creating a such a disadvantage for us in a battle for our, our very existence. And I'm not exaggerating. I could give you detail after detail, and you probably can too, about how they have intentionally plotted and acted to destroy the very conservative values and identity that this country has. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I absolutely. I mean, look, you go to Facebook, we all get shut down. If you're a conservative, you're shut down. I'm shut down right now for the most part. The things I can't do any longer. And it, if I put my podcast link up, it gets shut down. It does not make it to the ether at all. So so we've got to do something, in my opinion, we've got to do something as a community and elect more leaders that know why they're being leaders. My thing is simply this, Mr. Bundy. You know, I've been asked Many times, why are you not running for office? I said, because they would try to shut my voice down. Plus, they wouldn't get along with me. They're not going to like me. I've told <laughs> these senators that have meetings, you're not going to like me. Right. Because I'm going to call you out. I'm going to let the whole world know you're a POS and you're not working for your constituents. You're working for yourself. Yeah. This is the problem in this country with politicians. They work for themselves. They're not us. They're not us. They don't represent us. They represent us during the election. And then that's it. Well, I, I plan on getting in control of the state. I'm going to create it. I'm going to create a refuge for, for people who love Liberty. And, and I believe that that is the purpose of the state and anybody wants to come into Idaho and try to infringe upon uh, the people's life, their Liberty or their property. I and the state resources and the state government will stand between that that entity and the people of Idaho. 
just like it was supposed to be. That's what I plan on doing. And I believe that it'll be an example for the rest of the world and will perpetuate beyond the borders of Idaho. Well, Mr. Bunny, we've got about 20 seconds left. And uh, I want to say thank you. If you need me, I'll be there. If you want to come back on, you're more than welcome. We'll spread this message over and over and over and over again till it rings in people's heads every night when they go to sleep. I appreciate having you. In the last words, you got about 10 seconds. I need your support. Uh, I'm running a, a statewide campaign, votebundy.com. Spread the information out. Talk to your friends. Let's get this done. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Have a great weekend. This is the Modern Conservative Podcast. Podcast.